when you hear the, the phrase or, or someone say, no matter what or no matter who, those are, those are pretty powerful words. They're either all exclusive. They're saying no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you cannot be a part of this or a part of us. You're from the wrong family. You're from the wrong group, yada, yada. Or they're very inclusive to say no matter who you are, no matter what you've done or where you've been, you can be a part of us or a part of our group is extremely inclusive because it, it includes everybody. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the positive part of this. We're going to look at the inclusive part. We are in First Timothy chapter 1. If you have a Bible, if you don't, the scriptures will be on the screens. And uh, we started last Sunday morning a study out of the book of First Timothy, First Second Timothy, and we entitled it Mentoring, and, and it's kind of what these two books are. First and Second Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles, and it's, it's God speaking through the Apostle Paul to one of his young disciples, Timothy. We believe that Paul led Timothy to the Lord and then later trained him and discipled him and, and uh, Timothy traveled with him. And now Timothy is pastoring in the city of Ephesus. We get our New Testament book, Ephesians, from that city. And it's a tough place to, it's a tough place to work. They're affluent people. They're educated people. It's a cosmopolitan area where they worship 50 different gods and goddesses, and Timothy's having a hard time. So Paul's writing him to encourage him, to show him what priorities are, and to to remind him of, of the truths of God so he can swallow them himself, and then he can give them out to these people. And this morning in 1 Timothy 1, we're going to look in verses 12 through 17, some great verses about the grace of God and the inclusiveness of God. And here's the first thing this morning I want to share with you that that we see in the text is that no matter who you are or no matter what you've done, Christ can save you. Now, folks, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? No matter who you are or no matter what you've done, Jesus Christ, if you will give him permission, can come into your life and forgive you your sins and give you a better life here and give you a home in heaven forever, no matter who you are. That's amazing. Now, some of you go, well, I'm already a Christian, so this point doesn't apply to me. No, absolutely it applies to you. It applies to you on several fronts. One is, man, we're going to see the heart of God. We see the heart of God in this this text, okay? And two, you have family members or friends. I guarantee if you were honest, you think in your mind, you know what? I don't know if God himself can reach that person. But you know what? God himself can reach anybody if we'll let him. In, starting in verses 12 through, uh, th- excuse me, 13 and 14, it says this. Even though I, as Paul talking, was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, And a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly 
along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Kyle, go back to verse 13. I want to share with you some things Paul is saying about himself. He says, first of all, I am a blasphemer. Now, you know, if you've been to church a little bit or a lot, you, you recognize blasphemy is a bad thing. I mean, there's just no context where you ever can say, yeah, I was blasphemed or I blasphemed somebody, and it's good. It's an ugly word. It, it literally means to abuse or destroy someone. It means to, to slander their good name. When you blaspheme someone, you are trying, uh, more, more than likely you're beginning with your mouth, the blaspheme, you're trying to ruin that person. You're trying to ruin their reputation and their character. It's slander. It's a bad thing to do. And Paul says, I was a blasphemer. I was a blasphemer. Then he says, I was a persecutor. And that word persecutor means I was one who assaulted people to try to annihilate them. Paul's saying, I tried to rub people out, basically. I was a a hitman for the Jewish people is kind of what he's saying. And then he says, I was a violent man in verse 13. That word, those two words, violent man, means one who mistreats others with an insolent attitude. It means someone that can hurt people and and they don't even care about it. You you know who Joran Vandersloot is? If you don't, just Google the creep's name when you get home today. Joran Vandersloot was the, the prime suspect in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway in Aruba uh, five, five and a half years ago. And he was convicted this week of brutally murdering a woman in Peru. And this, uh, even this week in court, the judges got on to him because in his murder trial, he looked like he didn't care. He was yawning and like he was going to go to sleep. That's an insolent, violent person. And Paul says... I, Paul, was a blasphemer. I slandered someone's character. I was a a violent person. I was an insolent, vindictive person. Now, Now, get a load of this. Do you know who Paul was blaspheming? It wasn't the Louisiana Tech baseball coach. That would be bad, coach. Or the Ruston High basketball coach. That's not good. It was Jesus Christ. You know what Paul's mission was before he became the guy who began to write in the Bible? His mission was to destroy Christianity. He hated Jesus Christ. He he went into churches like this and he drug people out and would take them and try to get them tried before the Jewish high court to be punished and maybe to be killed. He was an accomplice to murder, we know at least once, probably on many times. Paul was a religious person, but a very wicked person. And he's he's laying all this out for us this morning. But then see what unfolds in verse 15 and 16. He says, yes, I was this rotten person, but let me tell you, here's a trustworthy saying. In other words, Paul's saying, I want you to hear this. If you go to sleep, wait for five minutes. Hear the next five minutes what I'm going to say. That this deserves full acceptance. In other words, everybody needs to get their head and their heart around this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. But for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Here's the first thought. 
Paul said, we get mixed up on why Jesus came. We think, well, Jesus came to, to make Baptist churches, or Jesus came to make Catholic churches, or Presbyterian churches. That wasn't the primary reason he came. Well, Jesus came to make us better. That wasn't the primary reason he came. Jesus came to give us religious people a high once a week. That's not the primary reason he came. Jesus says here in this passage that he came to save sinners. By the way, did you know, do you know any sinners in this room? If you know yourself, you are a sinner. Luke 19.10, Jesus himself said, I came from heaven to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And Paul says, guys, girls, if you think you're unsavable, basically what Paul's saying here, I'm the chief of sinners. That none of you in this room this morning are worse than me. Well, you don't know what I did last night. No, but God does. That's comforting, isn't it? But the Word of God still says Paul was the chief of sinners. Well, you don't know about my cousin. You you don't know how far out there they are. Paul says, I blasphemed the name of Jesus Christ. I slandered him. I killed Christians. I tried to destroy the church. But God's grace was poured out on me super abundantly. And that Jesus Christ saved me the minute I turned to him. And what he's trying to say to us this morning is this, is that no matter who you are or what you've done, if you will come to Christ even this morning, that Jesus can save you. And that family member or friend, no matter who they are or what they've done, Jesus Christ can save them. How many of you remember the name Jeffrey Dahmer? Jeffrey Dahmer was called the monster of Milwaukee. He was a horrible person. He was a serial killer, killed many people, brutally murdered and tortured them, was a cannibal. He was convicted. I think he, I think he confessed to his murders. He was given like 17 life sentences in prison in Wisconsin. And then later he was murdered in prison. But you may not know this. Before he was murdered, he became a Christian. And after he was murdered, obviously the question that was on so many people's minds was, was he sincere about giving his life to Christ? And really what was on people's mind, if he was, could Jesus or would Jesus even save somebody as rotten as a cannibalistic murderer? They interviewed the chaplain at the prison where Dahmer was. And he said this, I believe with all my heart Jeffrey Dahmer became a Christian. I believe he was sincere. He didn't have any motive. He wasn't going to get his sentence cut any shorter. He wasn't going to get out any earlier. He was going to be in prison until he died. And after he became a Christian, he said, when I die, I want to be cremated or I want to be buried in an unmarked grave so my existence here on earth will never be remembered. He said in that brief time that he lived as a Christian, he was a different person. Many years ago, I shared that story in a sermon, and someone came up to me after church and said, Preacher, I have a problem with God saving Jeffrey Dahmer. You know what? That's a God problem you have if you have that problem. Because the Bible said God, Jesus came to save sinners. And Paul said, I was the worst of sinners. And God didn't look at him and say, oh, he was too bad. I can't save him. I don't want to save him. Paul said, you know what? His grace was poured out upon me super abundantly. 
You know, in a church house, even like this this morning, there may be some people, even in the church house this morning, now you don't think this about yourself. Somebody may think it about you. I don't even know if oh so-and-so could ever become a Christian. Many years ago in one of my churches, there was an elderly man, and, and he and I got along. I just tried to always create a wide path around him. We'd have business meeting, and he'd raise his hand. I'd look the other way. Any other questions? Okay, we'll go home. But he had a reputation. He was mean. He, he was honorary. He was hard-nosed. He'd been a member of that church for years, but everybody in the church knew he wasn't a Christian. Kind of strange, isn't it? And I had one of my good men tell me one time about him. He said, that guy will never come to Jesus Christ. He's too hard. He's too old. He's too honorary. It will never happen. Two weeks before he died, you know what he did? He gave his life to Jesus Christ. And see, what the Bible says here this morning is that Jesus left heaven to come to earth to save you and me. Isn't that great? Let's have some fun this morning. Look at that person next to you and point at him and say, Jesus can save you. Do that with me. Now look at the person on the other side and say that. Okay, now do this. Y'all are having way too much fun, but that's okay. There's some husband and wife's fighting. No, he can't. Yes, he can. <laughs> I want you to pat yourself on the chest this morning and say, Jesus can save me. You know, in verse 17, it's, it's, it's almost like Paul breaks into a shout here. He, he talks about how that the grace of God was poured out abundantly on him, the worst of sinners, the chief of sinners. And then he says, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever. Amen and amen. It's like Paul wanted to put an exclamation point on that and let you know that God can save anybody. I tell you something that's even funnier to me and, and, and incredible. I read a story this week about a, a man who went to a preacher's college in Texas in November and preached a sermon in a chapel. Most of the time you go to preacher's colleges and preach, you preach on things like how to be nice to mean church members, stuff like that. This guy preached kind of an evangelistic sermon and three preachers were saved that morning. Isn't that great? God can even save preachers. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but when I get my head and my heart around this, that the God of the universe left heaven to come to earth, not to show you and me just how wonderful he was, but to die for us and to save us, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Knows everything about you, but loves you anyway. And the only thing that's keeping you or me or anybody we know from being saved is the unwillingness to turn to Christ. It's no matter who we are, what we've done, Jesus can save us if we'll let him. But I want to give you an incredible second point, I think, that comes from this text. No matter who you are and no matter what you've done, Christ can use you. No matter who you are or what you've done, Christ can use you. Now, the fact that Christ can save us, forgive us, give us a better life here, give us a home in heaven is pretty phenomenal to begin with. And if that was all God promised he would do for us, that would be great. But that's not where it stops. He says, not only can I save you, but I can use you. In verses 12 through 14, Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me strength. 
that he considered me faithful and he appointed me to his service. Now, verse 12, and we read these a moment ago, but let's read them again. Even though, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, it may be easy to miss in verse 12 where Paul says, I thank God that he has appointed me to his service. That word service there means his ministry, to be his servant. Okay, here's Paul's resume. Christ hater. Christ cursor. Church destroyer, murderer of Christians. Doesn't that sound like someone you want teaching your kid in Sunday school? (laughs) And the truth is, I'm not sure we want a person like that in our church. It's a bad reflection on churches, not on God. And as bad as Paul was, that Jesus saved him. But not only did he save him, he said, Paul, man, I got a plan and a dream for your life as a a middle-aged man who has been completely a creep in the past. And not, man, did God use Paul. This side of heaven will never know the full effect, but 13 books in the New Testament out of the 27 books have Paul's autograph on them. He used him in an unbelievable way. And see, again, I'm not sure we believe this or we want to accept this. Whoever the worst person in Ruston is, I have no idea. Whoever that person is by reputation and name, if they walked into most churches, people would be nervous, wouldn't they? And if they, if they came and said, I want to give my life to Christ and they were baptized, people would be skeptical. I don't know. I don't know about that person. They were just going to go to jail. We're not sure they were sincere. And then a year later, if we went back to that church and we saw them preaching, we'd really freak out, wouldn't we? That's what happened with Paul. When Paul began to preach and to teach, people were scared. They said, this is a trick. This can't be real. This is the guy that hated Christians, and now he's a preacher and a teacher. But God used him in an unbelievable way. And I want to tell you this morning... Young people, old people, and everybody in between, if God could use Paul, he can use you. I read a story this week about a college conclave, a group group where they got a a lot of college students together. It was a Christian gathering. And the the minister in charge had the, the, the students write down some of the things they were struggling with or they were concerned with in their lives. And the overwhelming thing of these, this group of students, 20 to 22, these Christian students was, I feel like I have disappointed God and he can't use me anymore. And, and you know, God is never pleased with sin and wrong, but this story is trying to scream to us today that when we come to God and let him do a work in our life, Regardless of the past, he absolutely can use us. 
Wayne said in the early service, and I think this is true, probably the most popular song in Christianity is Amazing Grace. Everybody in here has heard the song Amazing Grace. You lived in the South for a year. You've heard Amazing Grace somewhere at a grocery store, at a church, somebody humming it at a ball game. You've heard it. The guy who wrote Amazing Grace was a man named John Newton. John Newton was a famous preacher. Obviously, he was a pretty good hymn writer. But what you may not know about John Newton is he was a pretty big scumbag before he became a Christian. His mom was a devout Christian. His father was not. And as a young man, he he entered into becoming a sailor. He was a heavy drinker, to use our, our terms. He was a partier, a womanizer. He later was a captain on a slave ship. Brought human beings from Africa to England and America to sell them as property. And then he became a Christian. And he began to put away all the junk in his life. God called him to be a preacher. He began to write these beautiful hymns. And he spent the rest of his life proclaiming Jesus and fighting slavery. And writing beautiful songs like Amazing Grace. And I wonder how many times when John Newton was preaching, or maybe even when he began to write a hymn like Amazing Grace, the devil would whisper in his ear, you're not worthy. Remember what you did. Remember how you treated people. Remember what's still going on in your mind. But you know what? Like Paul, when John Newton was willing to come to Christ and let Christ clean up the junk in his life, He used him greatly. I want to tell you this morning, God's got a plan for every life in here. That's the story of the Bible. Guys, the story of the Bible is not about a bunch of religious nerds and rules. That's not the real Bible. That's the warped Bible that I heard a lot growing up and that still proclaim. The story of the Bible is that God loves you and me and that Jesus came to save us no matter who you are and he wants to use us. You look through the Bible. How many of you know who Moses was? I'm not talking about somebody that plays football for the Patriots or whatever. Bad team if you're for the Broncos. Moses of the Bible. Moses was a great leader for God. Do you know know Moses was a murderer? You know the Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart, a tremendous godly man. You know what David's resume included? Adultery and murder. Almost everybody here knows who the Apostle Peter was. One of the great leaders in the early church. Peter was a denier of Jesus Christ at his most crucial moment. In fact, in another conversation, Peter was so off base, Jesus said, Peter, man, you're acting like the devil. Get behind me, Satan. And then here we have Paul, one of the heroes of the faith, who was a murderer and a slander and a blasphemer. And and let me tell you, look in verse 16 with me. And see what it says one more time. But for the very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him. That word example there, guys, literally means a a prototype. It means a model. Here's what he's saying. Paul's saying, "I I was the worst of the worst. 
God saved me, and now God's putting me on display as a model so that you can see no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, that Christ can save you and that Christ can use you. I don't know about you, but that's good stuff. And that hits you right where you are this morning. The key, as always, is what we will do with God's grace and love. Will you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christ follower, I would ask you to to embrace, to let the grace of God broaden your heart and your mind. Let it fill your spirit this morning. Some of you need to experience afresh the grace of God. If you're not a Christian this morning or you're unsure if you're a Christian, I want to invite you right where you're seated to pray with me. And just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God died for me Jesus come into my heart I ask you today to save me Jesus let me have your attention just for a minute just a second I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to invite you to respond to what Christ has said to you. Maybe you just prayed with me and asked Christ into your heart. Or maybe you would like to do that. There's going to be ministers down front. We would love to help you with this decision. Come and talk to one of these guys. Let them help you solidify that. Listen, God can save you today if you'll let him. Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. We would love for you to do that. One way you can do that is by coming in a moment and letting one of our ministers help you become a part of our church family. Maybe today as a Christian, you're here. And you needed to hear. And you need to experience afresh the grace of God. That God still can use you. God still loves you. If you'll just turn it all back over to Maybe where you're standing, Christian, you want to do that. Or maybe at the altar. But I want to ask you just to stand and bow your heads. And as the music's playing, respond to what God's saying to you personally this morning.